now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We are doing our third installment on our leadership series with Gwen Meyer. We both feel that currently there is a crisis of leadership in the world. In the past, there have been the colossi of leadership, Indira and Mahatma Gandhi, Churchill, Roosevelt, Kennedy, King, and Nelson Mandela. We hope to reignite that fire of positive leadership in others by starting with ourselves and hopefully spreading it throughout the world. In our studio today is Gwen Meyer from Incremental Steps. Gwen is an approved and certified YB12 performance coach. YB12, of course, stands for your best 12 months. She is also trained in the latest evidence-based neurochange research by the NeuroChange Institute, which is accredited and associated with educational institutions such as Harvard and multiple other high-level universities. She helps corporate leaders develop their teams, embrace change, and increase engagement and performance in all aspects of life and their work in the quickest and most impactful way. Before we begin, we want to recap the key ideas and concepts from the last two sessions. We talked in session one about the importance of leaders to check their egos and put their team first. We talked about the importance of leaders having their team's backs and there's the staff knowing that the leader will stand behind them during adversity. We talked about the importance of a leader being a kind of an amateur psychologist. We talked about the fact that when you're a leader, you need to do what's asked of your team. We talked about the fact that as a leader, you need to have a sincere interest in others. We talked about the fact that it's important to be a leader, not a buddy. It's important to protect your paws as a leader. And of course, it is key to set the example. The second session on leadership, we talked about the importance of thinking big, we talked about the importance of clear communication to staff. We talked about keeping it simple. And we talked about how to have difficult conversations with the staff. We also ended up that session on discussion on institutional myths. Today in our third section, we're going to kick off the discussion talking about the importance of protecting yourself if you're a leader. I want to go back to military university when I was in ROTC training, learning to be an officer in the military. And... We used to do what they called FTXs or field training exercises. And in those FTXs, I would be in charge of a platoon or a squad or something like that. And I always felt, you know, as a young man, I was always told, you must lead from the front. Now, I did that on two or three of these exercises. And guess what? I usually got killed. <laughs> these, these weren't real exercises, luckily, not real combat. But I always got killed in these simulated, simulated field training exercises. So until I was smart enough to figure out, and the instructors wanted me to figure this out on my own, it would have been nice if they would have told me, but I had to figure it out on my own, that you have to, as a leader, you need, it was smarter for me to be in the middle 
of the platoon or the squad or the unit because I needed to see what had needed to have an idea of what was going on in front of me. I needed to have an idea of what was going on behind me. And I needed to have the overall view of the situation and not being cowardly. It's not cowardly to be in the middle because you need to have the view of exactly what's going on. And if you're the leader and you're taken out suddenly, that throws the rest of the team in chaos. And as a result, they could die as well. Now, that's an example just in military training, but it's the same thing in business and other parts of your life. If, if you're the leader and you're not taking care of yourself, how can you possibly lead your people? And it, without a leader, a lot of organizations really, really struggle without firm leadership and positive leadership. What would you want to add to that, Gwen? It's wonderful to be here again with you, Matt. And you've started on a really interesting subject because we are in the time now where leaders and teams are in real high stress. Real high stress and anxiety. The level of depression is really, really high. It's at least between 70 and 80%. And part of that, to be a leader, when you are highly stressed, you are not going to be able to respond in a way that's going to help your team. You are not going to be able to add any value. And actually, the most important thing that a leader can be is calm, collected, and taking care of himself or herself. Mm. And I like to think of it as being fit for service. Because unless you are fit for service, you are not going to be of much use to anybody. And fit for service is taking care of your health, taking care of your exercise, your diet, your emotional management, and your mindset. So it's a whole combination of factors that are going to give you the best possible chance of actually being of help for your team and to get them through the activities and the tasks that you are working towards. So I, I absolutely agree with that. Mm. So there's no good. Wow, there's so much there. I, I don't wanna to talk too much because Gwen, I know you have so much to offer, but the, the point you just made really made me think about the fact that it's so much better, and this is a trap that I've fallen into and I think a lot of leaders fall into, it's so much better to be a switched on, calm, measured, inspirational, positive leader 40 hours a week than a grouchy, upset, negative, nasty boss 80 hours a week. So, I mean, you gotta protect, we talked about, I think in the first or second episode, protecting your pause. You gotta keep your positive attitude, but it's so key to be healthy, happy, and mentally switched on to give the support to the people that you need. It's a little bit like the airplane. Put the mask on first and then assist others because you can't help other people if you're passing out. Absolutely. And, you know, the, th the thing is it's the leader that actually brings the energy to the team. Mm. And so it's the, that's the point always of the feeling the emotions and the actual performance levels of the team comes directly from how the leader thinks mm. and how much energy the leader brings mm. and so it's really important it doesn't mean that we have to be absolutely positive every single day because mm. we are human mm -hmm. and we're going to have our days 
where things don't work out the way that we expect. But actually, if we're together as a team and we synergize and energize together and we're on purpose, then we'll be able to help each other through that. Mm. And it doesn't mean that the leader has to make all the decisions mm. or be able to do everything because mm. the leader's there to help the people in his team to actually get the results. Mm. And part of that is actually creating the right environment, enabling them with the right tools, the right materials, and, you know, making sure that they've got everything they need mm. to be empowered. Mm. Well, the example that I used to use, which, you know, I'd like to pretend that I came up with this on my own, but I don't know who taught it to me, but it was early in my career is I always told my staff that you are the battery. I used to tell my, my managers, you're the battery. Your team goes in, plugs into you, gets excited, gets all this energy, then goes out and climbs mountains and conquers the world and so on and so forth. So that's really your job as a leader is to be the battery for others. And another point that Gwen made that's, that's so great is that we used to probably, in, you've heard the term renaissance man, okay? And there was a time in the 1400s or 1500s where you could actually, if you studied really hard and you had enough money to, to be funded to all these universities, you could actually, by the time you died, pretty much know all there was to know about the whole, some amount of human knowledge, okay? You could get close, okay, in mathematics and science and all that. But those days are long gone. Nobody here can know everything anymore. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that successful leaders, it's great. They need to be competent in most things, but there's no way that Jack Welch, the chairman of General Electric, knew how to build an MRI machine from scratch. There's no way that Henry Ford knew how to build every one of his cars from scratch. It's, it's, it, that's not the case. He knew how to get the right people in the right jobs and he knew how to manage those people to get the desired result. And he knew how to, they knew how to empower those people to get the right result. So I think that the point that Gwen's making is so key and we need to focus on that. That's so, that's so true. But just coming back to the point that you originally said, which was to make sure that the leader was fit for service or rather protecting themselves, taking care of their own health in order to do that is still key. So it's about mm. self-care. Mm. It's about making sure that we don't overdo, mm -hmm. that we don't burn ourselves out mm -hmm. and that we don't have detrimental stress. No, so, uh, so it's about yeah. boundary setting too mm. Mm. Okay. and knowing what is, you know, what is possible. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I was reading just recently, it just popped in my head or otherwise I'd have the exact numbers in front of me, but that I believe entrepreneurs are six times more likely to be depressed than the general public. Also, they have higher suicide rates. They also have a greater diagnosis of ADHD, and they're twice as likely to be bipolar. So, I mean, the, the, it, it's, it's like everything in life. Our greatest strengths are always our greatest weaknesses. So the people that have, are able to create this energy to get people to follow them also have a downside to that. So it's super key that if you're a leader, you are almost predisposed to challenges that other people may or may not have. So it's important to protect yourself. We alluded a little bit to previously to, I alluded to rather, the importance of a leader of choosing the right people. And if you think about 
a lot of the successful people that were out there, for example, President Ronald Reagan, a lot of people thought he was kind of incompetent and sort of slow. Okay, I mean, there was all these things about how he was sleeping through cabinet meetings and later when he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, they thought, oh, he probably had Alzheimer's while he was president and all this kind of stuff. But Reagan's presidency was successful regardless of what your politics is and his leadership was successful because in part because one of the things he was great at doing was surrounding himself with people who were competent. He was also called the great communicator. That's another tangent. But he was great at surrounding himself with other people. Ross Perot, that was one of his keys to success. We talked about Jack Welch. So can we talk a little bit about the importance of a leader surrounding themselves with the right people and empowering them? Yeah, and of course, Matt, that's a really good point because really the, the leader needs to be secure enough in their own competence and their own performance to actually be able to choose their team and sometimes, uh, most times, actually a team that's even better than them Mm. at certain things. They need to bring out the strengths in others because not only are you going to empower your team to be the best versions of themselves that they can be, but you need to be okay with actually having amazing people in your team. That's that's key. And, and so many leaders are intimidated by that. I never understood it. I used to tell my staff that I want to be I want all I want to be the worst salesperson on the team. <laughs> because you don't have to do it. I mean, that would be the best job as a leader. I don't have to do anything except hand out trophies. <laughs> what a dream job. I get paid a lot and I hand out trophies. <laughs> yeah, but you also you're also the one that has to the buck stops with you. On that positive note, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions. You're experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you will receive a free 250 gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. of Chapel Funerals. My role as a funeral director is to guide you through the emotional process of saying goodbye to someone you love. I'm here to help you make all the necessary arrangements so that you and your family may have peace of mind and time to remember and celebrate the life of the person you've lost. When the time comes, I'm here for you. So please call me, Anna Faruja, at Chapel Funerals on 81825100. Hi, this is David Heath, and I'm excited to be bringing my program Soundtrack of Your Life to Radio Italia Uno. Join me Friday nights at 7 for interesting guests, some great music, and plenty of fun. It's the best way to kick off the weekend. Soundtrack of Your Life, Friday nights from 7 until 9 on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. 
Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia 1 sta cercando te. Chiama l'82 123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We ended the last session, Gwen, discussing uh, the last comment you made was the buck stops here as a key to leadership. And that, of course, for those of us that might not be aware or be listening from another country, came from a plaque that Harry Truman, the president of the United States at the end of World War II, had sitting on his desk, which said, the buck stops here. And in America, we have a saying of passing the buck. That means passing responsibility, passing the blame onto somebody else. In fact, my father once told me, who is a Chicago land police sergeant, that to err is human, but to blame others shows true management potential. That's the cynical statement, of course. So the true leader accepts responsibility. With my organizations, whenever anything went right, we did it. When something went wrong, I tried to take the hit, okay, because, and, and if you do that, then your team will know that you have their backs, and of course, you'll get better work out of them, you know, ultimately. I mean, if you don't want to do it because it's the right thing to do, that's the reason to do it for what's in it for you. So it reminded me of something Winston Churchill once said. Winston Churchill said, the price of greatness is responsibility. So that's the attitude that the leaders that we all admire ourselves have. So if we want to be a leader that's admired, we need to adopt those principles. So what would you like to add to that, Gwen? Because you started the conversation. I just hijacked it. I, I did, Matt. But it really is comes down to accountability. It comes down to the fact that we're in a position of privilege, that we're there to not only achieve, but we are there to empower and help our team and others around us do the best that they possibly can with the resources that we enable. And it is really important that we understand this whole concept of accountability, which does mean that we don't blame others, that we take responsibility for what's within our power. And then that serves as a model and an example to others to do the same. And it's all very well to, you know, to provide the right resources and to give the tools. But at the end of the day, we need to first understand what it is we're being asked to actually do, to achieve, and then to be able to commit ourselves and to follow the promises that we make and find a way to actually achieve what we need to in the best possible way and where we make mistakes which is gonna happen and is very part of being a leader and part of experimenting and exploring in any endeavor is then to when you do make a mistake to own up and say i'm sorry let's see how we can resolve this now Mm. Uh, and take that accountability and that take control of what is yours to 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 control So would you agree with that, Matt? I agree with that completely. And I tell you today, one of the reasons why we don't feel we have as a community the inspired leadership 
of yesteryear, and I hate to be like, in my day, our leaders were inspiring. You know, I sound a little bit like that. But one of the reasons we have that challenge is it seems like today leaders do everything they can to pass the buck. And they avoid taking responsibility almost like the plague. It's everyone's fault but theirs. And I, I think that it's, that's, if you want to be somebody that other people want to follow, you've got to be somebody that'll take some responsibility. Yeah. I mean, by definition, the person you're following is the one responsible. Yeah. And, and I, I, I go back to, I was just thinking when you were talking about a, a book I read a long time ago about the Civil War in America, and Robert E. Lee, okay, and I don't want to go too deep in the weeds in this, regardless of his politics, at the Battle of Gettysburg, okay, which was a turning point in the Civil War, after they lost, he wrote amongst his troops apologizing for the loss. These were the men that, that fought for three days, you know, and were wounded. I mean, because the dead were already gone. He can't apologize to them. But instead of blaming them for losing the battle like a lot of leaders would, he apologized for his leadership saying, I made the wrong strategic errors. That's part of the reason why these men followed him to the end of the earth. They did not, I mean, without shoes, without ammunition, without food, they did not even believe, you know, none of these people owned slaves. They weren't fighting to defend slavery. These were all poor, poor guys, mm-hmm. you know, that, did, that weren't landowners, that, you know, that were in the military. So it was that leadership, okay, that inspired people to follow him, that kind of leadership. That's right. And it's about vulnerability, being able to show a little bit of vulnerability to show your humanity. And it then gives permission to others to do the same because it shows a model of behavior. It gives permission for your team and other individuals to actually give it a go, try. And if they make mistakes, then it's looked at as a learning opportunity. What can we learn from this? How can we best go forward and make it better. Mm. Yeah, and it's the same when you're a parent. Mm. We do this, our our children learn by watching us, Mm -hmm. by the way we treat others, by the way that we navigate our lives, and we are the models Mm. that they are gonna emulate and mimic. Mm. And so it's the same with the people that we lead. Mm -hmm. We need to be the the leaders that show up, Mm-hmm. And when we do make mistakes, we're accountable and we take that responsibility. Mm. Yeah. And, and I'm going to make another example analogy here. And some people this might turn off. So stick with me. Okay. But if we go back to Robert E. Lee, regard, he was a gentleman. Now, regardless of his politics, he was raised as this Southern gentleman. In fact, in the Civil War, we, they used to call the rebels, the, the South used to call the North, damn Yankees. He would never say damn Yankees because he thought that was too offensive and too rude and not sophisticated. So he would say, I shall defeat those people today. He would only call them those people. Okay. So going from a real gentleman to we're going to now switch to another leader. We're going to talk about Donald Trump. 
Okay. Now, whatever you believe about Donald Trump one way or another, he did inspire a large percentage of people to follow him. Now, was it because he had sex with a porno star? I don't think so. Was it because he, you know, got divorced a couple times? I don't think so. Was it because he said he was cheated in the last election? I don't think so. Was it because he talked about grabbing women by their private parts? I don't think that's the reason why people wanted to follow him. But I do believe that one of the reasons why people wanted to follow him is he was an equal opportunity offender, okay? I mean, whether it was white or black or whatever. I mean, John McCain, and I don't want to go too much into politics here, but John McCain was one of my heroes, and he was a white senator from Arizona. He was a POW in the Vietnam War, and he was always heralded as a leader. As a, as a hero, American hero. Well, what did Donald Trump say about John McCain? He said, well, I like the heroes that don't get captured. Okay, so it doesn't matter whether you were yellow or white or black or woman or what. He would offend anyone. But what did the 50% of America that voted for him like about him the most? The fact that he would just say what's on his mind regardless of whatever – you know, and, and I'm not saying go run, run around and say what's ever on your mind, regardless of the ramifications or who it offends or whatever. But the point is, he was real with people. Okay. You got to be real with people if you're a leader. Yeah. And, okay, you have to say sometimes what they don't want to hear. Okay. You have to say things they don't want to hear. Now, you don't have to offend them. You don't have to go out of your way to offend them. You know, all the morality aside, that was one strength that he had. Of course, he had weaknesses, but that was one strength that he had was he would say, this is the problem. We need to fix it this way. And even if it wasn't a popular thing to say, he would say it. You could argue, and a lot of people would argue a lot of those solutions were correct. Okay, and I'm not here to debate politics. We're talking about leadership. No, and I'm very okay? pleased because I, I'd rather not comment. <laughs> okay, all right, you don't have to. But I, but, but, but I do, ex yeah. I absolutely agree But you do agree, agree with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yes. I mean. It's about being authentic. It's, it's about being who you are. And it's about, you know, saying what you believe mm -hmm. and being who you are without having to hide anything. And, and that's what true authenticity is, is mm -hmm. do as you say and show up based on your values, based on what you believe and based on a congruency between your behavior and your beliefs. And, and the point that I wanted, would want to expand on in that example is that people would know where he stood, they stood with him. Yes. Okay. All right. Now, whether or not he's a nice guy, whether or not he's somebody you'd want to have over to dinner or whatever, you agree with him, whatever. But the point is, you know where you stood with him. And as a leader, that's really key because so many of our leaders, so many times we're dealing with leaders and we're saying, what does this guy really think of me? What's he saying when I'm not here? What's he really, you know, what, what's really going on? What's going on in that guy's head? So to not have to worry about that, half of a country you know, thought that was refreshing for once, okay? Now, whether you actually liked what he thought or said yeah. is totally another issue, and, and we're not talking about that. But we're talking about the fact of what you said is authenticity, knowing where the person stands. That's clear communication, and it's important in good leadership. Yeah, and it is because you can, you can actually put out false trails, and you might get some followers for a while, but they'll fall away mm. because it becomes very obvious after a while that you are not following 
you know your beliefs and what and what you say you're going to do and we see that over and over again with politicians they say one thing about racism and then you go back in their past and you find this they say one thing about COVID 19 or whatever Mm. you can't you can't go out without a mask and there's a picture with them at a party with everybody without a mask or oh you can't go to a restaurant and there's a picture with them at a restaurant you know so again it's it's not saying it's it's walking the walk but also telling people what they don't necessarily what, what they don't want to, need, want to hear if it's in their best interests. That's right. And um, of course you should do it in a compassionate way. Yes. You know, I mean, <laughs> present, we're not discussing presentation. No. We're discussing, you, you don't yell at somebody in front of other people and say, you screwed that up, Bob. You know, you don't call people out in front of other people. You criticize in private, you praise in public, which, you know, obviously this particular person we're talking about, you know, doesn't do that much. But the fact of the matter is, is that you need to be authentic, just like you said. Yeah. And then that, that would lead us really well into the next point, which we were talking about earlier, Matt, Mm -hmm. that we were going to discuss. And that was on the matter of feedback Mm -hmm. Um, because it is, you know, it's not always easy to give bad news. It's Mm -hmm. not always easy to tell it as it is. Mm -hmm. And it takes confidence, it takes courage, but it also means that we have to not, we have to really believe in what we stand for Mm -hmm. in order to do that. And part of that is also giving feedback, but not only positive feedback, yes, positive feedback, but also constructive feedback, Mm -hmm. which is going to help your your followers and your team members to actually do better if Mm. they choose. Mm. And it can be looked at as data, mm-hmm. data that they can choose to either accept or let go of. And it's dependent very much on the person that's receiving that feedback and either way, because we can't control how other people are going to react mm-hmm. or respond to what we say, but it can be given in a way that will obviously improve and help things and it depends on the the mindset of the person mm-hmm. you know if they have if they're open to learning and you've chosen the best people the the competence and the strengths and the skills that you're looking at they can choose to look at that as a way to grow mm. and to get better but there will always be those that are resistant to taking any kind of feedback mm. and sometimes we have to just let it go mm. it's up to the person receiving the you know the feedback and the the words mm. great insight as always gwen well we have to take another quick break here for our sponsors so we'll be back with you in just a little bit with change the world with matt mcquinley Yo, ciao, Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone, delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite, marble, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone, granito, marmo, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone. Thinking stone bench tops to your kitchen, bathroom, or furniture? Unique Stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now. 826-2280 Unique Stone We won't be beaten Come on Che stai facendo? Yo Chiama adesso 
Lo sapevi che l'82% delle persone richiama più facilmente il nome di un'azienda vedendolo scritto su carta che in una pubblicità sui social media? Continua a valorizzare i metodi più tradizionali, toccare e tenere nelle proprie mani biglietti da visita, calendari promozionali, cataloghi. Maria Studio Printing è il tuo partner creativo di stampa e di marketing ideale. Si occupano di graphic design, sviluppo web, gestione di stampa, routing CNC e 3D carving, fotografia commerciale e riprese, offrendo consegne nello stesso giorno o entro tre giorni lavorativi. Maria Studio Printing può portare alla luce i tuoi progetti e crescere la tua impresa è facile. Per saperne di più, chiama l'8352-1268. Join me, Ron Fiedler and Karen Fiedler each Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. for Talking Real Estate, your guide to real estate in Adelaide and South Australia. We'll bring you the latest local real estate news, interviews, tips and advice from property experts, plus report on the Italian property market and let you know about the week's open homes and upcoming auctions. And don't forget, I'll be bringing you my open home of the week. On Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM, Talking Real Estate, every Saturday morning from 9 till 10 a.m. Be in the know with Adelaide's local real estate show. Radio Italia Uno, sito internet www.italiauno.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Hello, this is Matt McQuinley and we're back with Change the World with Matt McQuinley and Gwen Meyer. So we ended our last session talking about a leader who was able to inspire others by being direct and to the point and you knew exactly where you stood with him. Now we're going to talk about a leader who inspires other others by making them feel important, which is a key tenet of leadership. I was thinking about Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who is president of the United States, and it's said that he literally knew hundreds and hundreds of people by name. He would go to conventions, he would go to or have meetings at the White House and a guy from that was a councilman of a tiny town in Kansas that would have you know, a population of 300 people, he would know the person's name. And of course, how did that make that person feel? Like a million dollars back then, which is worth a lot more today. And probably even tax-free million dollars, so a lot. Uh, and then I was thinking about Mary Kay Ash, you know, who obviously built Mary Kay Cosmetics from zero to massive, a global brand, one of the first super successful female entrepreneurs. And she says that whenever she deals with people, she imagines they all have a sign around their neck that says, make me feel special. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about how that's important in leadership and get any thoughts that you have on that. Right, Matt. And it is so key because one of the attributes of great leaders is that they make other people feel special, important. They make them feel valued and they recognize, they see them, they see their their strengths and they're able to notice things and help other people see things perhaps in themselves that they haven't other they haven't been able to see and all you have to do is think of that teacher you know back in the day those teachers that you absolutely loved that you would do anything for and you will probably find that it's because that teacher was able to see something in you that you weren't able to see to empower you encourage you and for you to see something that is really special 
And one of the things is obviously name is a really good thing mm. to know people's names. And it's actually been proven that in terms of neuroscience, there's many things that vie for our attention at the moment. And we are constantly being distracted from our focus. And if you find yourself in a restaurant listening to lots of stuff going on, trying to keep tabs of a conversation that you're having with something right, someone right in front of you, and you hear your name being called somewhere else in the restaurant, you will immediately, your brain will go towards that, attending that sound of your name. So we know that actually it's really important to us. Mm. So if you can remember someone's name, that makes them immediately feel important. Mm. And, and that creates rapport mm. when you're meeting new people. But what's really interesting also, and Simon Sinek, one of my favorite leadership coaches and authors, he uses the, the term Dunbar's rule. And he said, and I double-checked it when I listened to one of his recent podcasts, but basically Dunbar's number, for those that don't know, the rule of 150 was coined by British anthropologist Robin Dunbar and is defined as the suggested cognitive limit to the number of people with whom we can maintain sustainable social relationships with. So what that means effectively is that we can never know more than 150 people really well and people attached to those people. So, you know, when you mentioned, was it Roosevelt? Mm -hmm. Franklin. Uh, Franklin, that he was able to remember that many people. That is incredible. Because, you know, we know that cognitively there's a limit mm. in the the number of Well, know, that's just their names. That doesn't mean he really knows. No. I don't no. I, I don't think uh, most people know themselves. So yeah. I mean, that probably includes yeah. me. So it's I, just a little I would be at less than zero on yeah. that chart of 150 probably. Yeah. But really it is, a, it is about leaders being able to uplift others, mm. see the best in them, and then help them to see mm. what others can't see. Mm. And it's a really good attribute and, mm. and trait of a, of a great leader. Mm. Because again, it goes back to the leader's ability to be totally secure in who they are, to know themselves well enough not to feel threatened mm. by that. By the Key is make the yeah. staff feel valued. Valued, yeah. absolutely. Actually, that reminds me of another thing. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, his cousin, yes. who's also president, would spend every January 1st at the White House would form a very long line at the White House and shake everybody's hand from, from I can't remember what time in the morning, early in the morning till the last person was done and he would shake their hands because he felt that everybody who wanted to shake the hand of, of their president should be able to do so. So the fact that he, and, and the fact that, that doing that is obviously he doesn't have a personal connection with each one of these people, but he's showing that, hey, I am your servant. I am not above you. I am here to serve you. And that's one of the tenets of leadership that we talked about before, but also shows that he values the people that he's leading. That's right. I must say that, Matt, to show a little bit of vulnerability on my side, I, I am not good with remembering people's names. Mm. And I, I'm getting better and better because I know how important it is. And that's okay, Glenn. You're doing a great job. <laughs> Yeah. But but it's about association. And so actually I've been reading Jim Quick's book on, mm -hmm. on memory and how to associate. Do you remember anything you read? <laughs> I, I do remember mm -hmm. what I read, mm -hmm. but it's about, you know, associating people 
and their names with something that you will help you to remember. And actually, it's fun to mm. do too, mm. but it does make a difference. It's important. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on to our next point on leadership. I want to I want to talk a little bit about the importance of, if you're a leader to be a duck. And what do I mean by a duck? Well, I, I don't mean Daffy Duck, okay? <laughs> Although sometimes when you're in charge, you might feel like that. And some of you might think you have leaders that are like Daffy Duck. But the point I'm trying to make is if you see a duck swimming on a pond, he looks very or she looks very serene, you know, and is making very few waves and is looking calm and all that. But if you have a camera underneath the water, you see these little feet flying like crazy, just super moving super, 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 super fast. So, and that's kind of how you need to be as a leader. Your team needs to think, and again, I'm not trying to say be phony, but they need to feel like it's all under control Okay, that you know where you're going, you know where, and that you're not panicked, that you believe everything's going to work out, you know, and you kind of need to make it look easy. Yeah. Even no matter, even if inside you're screaming and your fists are banging on the inside of your skull, and and but on the outside it's zen calm. But which goes back to the need for the the leader to be the one that maintains the energy. And part of that is what we, they call in corporate environments, the leader needs to be calm, assertive, which is exactly that, to have their emotions in control, to be positively optimistic and look at whatever's happening. There might be chaos around you to be centered enough to be able to focus and to look at it as problem resolution how are we going to fix this? What's the best way to handle this? What's the opportunity in, in you know, what the issue is or the challenge that we have? But it's really important because if you are chaotic, if you are angry, and if you are anxious, then that's, that's not going to be a very good example and help your team to actually do the best that they possibly can. Well, it's going to kill morale. It's going to kill motivation. It's going to draw. As a leader, you're supposed to draw people to you. That's going to push them away. Exactly. I mean, there's so many reasons why that's important. And as you were speaking, I was thinking a little bit about George Bush. Now, again, if you you agree with his politics or disagree with his politics, okay. All right? But I remember there was a film that came out that was criticizing George Bush on September 11th. Because he was told about the the attacks on the Twin Towers while he was sitting in a preschool, okay, oh. or not a pre uh, grade school, I think it was. He he was watching the teacher and he was sitting there and he it was one of these public relations things, and you know somebody whispered into his ear, one of his aides whispered in his ear, what happened, and he sat there for a couple minutes thinking, okay, and about what to do, and you could tell something was on his mind, but what would have happened? I mean, what message would it have sent to America if somebody whispered in his ear, yeah, this, uh, you know, the terrorists have attacked and hit the World Trade Center with a plane, if he would have jumped up like, oh, my God, what's going on, and just ran out of the room? Exactly. Where would America been? I mean, yeah. it was scary enough. Yeah. But if they would have seen him, act, I mean, and they criticized him for it, like, why, what, you know, you just sat there, you blah, blah, blah. Well, what was he supposed to do? Act like, you know, I mean, his hair was on fire. He had to act like it was no big deal and he was in charge. Yep. Because, I mean, this is the guy that's got the the world's, one of the world's largest nuclear arsenals at his, 
at his disposal and the most powerful military in the world and is leading 350 mil, 300 and some million people. And he's supposed to look panicked at when the country's attacked. Mm. He has no choice. He has to be a duck. Yes, absolutely. Okay? Has he, to be. Inside, he's absolutely, I guarantee you, those little feet are flying. Okay? But on the outside, I'm just sitting here watching these kids, you know, give their book report. You know, because that's what was needed in his leadership. And why is that? It's because, because of confidence, because it gives others confidence to see that somebody else is there and it gives you the sense of control, doesn't mm. it? Mm. So really important. Mm. Yeah, really good point. You have anything else to add on that point? On, on being a duck? No, I think um, most people understand that term. Okay, uh, and, all right. And, and they have that picture in their mind. Okay. Yes. So, uh, of their duck leaf. Of their, so their how, duck feet. So hopefully, hopefully some of you listening will walk up to your boss or leader in your church or community and hand them a rubber ducky and say, thank you for being a duck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on real quick here to another quick topic. We've only got a couple minutes left, so we just want to add one quick, leave you with one quick thought. And remember, and this goes, it's, it's similar to being a, being a parent. You know, when you're a leader, it's often a lot harder to lead than to do the task yourself. Okay, it's a lot easier to just do whatever needs to be done, especially in a business environment, be done with it and move on rather than let one of your staff do it because they're going to take it's going to take longer for them to do it than for you to do it because they're going to be sitting there going asking a million questions. Or it's going to take them five times longer to do it. They don't know what to do. But if you want to empower people, if you want to grow people, if you want to reproduce yourself, which is your job as a leader is to make more of you. Okay, then you need to do the hard thing and let other people do the work, even though you can do it better, faster, quicker, and it's less headache for you. So, uh, Gwen, would you like to give some feedback on that point? Yes, and that's the art of delegation, but also it's one of the, the most detrimental things you can do in a team environment is micromanage. And part of this goes to micromanagement. And when you are constantly, you know, on somebody's back, watching the way they do things, uh, giving them instruction constantly, you they lose trust, not only in themselves, but most people for self-determination, in fact, everybody for self-determination, need to have autonomy they need mastery, just performance, and they need to feel like they belong, okay? And that's effectively the three tenets of um, self-determination. So if you are micromanaging somebody, what you're immediately saying is that I don't trust you to do the job that mm. I've given you. Mm. I don't trust that you can do it in another way. It might not be the way I do it, but you're not giving them autonomy and you're not also empowering them to learn the skill to get to actually learn the skills so that they are that they feel empowered and that they can then pass on to someone else and that's again as we as as parents that's what we is the greatest thing that we can do for our children is to give them the tools and the techniques and give them the guidance and then allow them to actually learn the skills and to make the mistakes because our biggest learning and in terms of the way that our brain works and neuroscience terms, 
we learn the most when we make mistakes and we adjust quicker in terms of building neural pathways um, in our brain when we actually have to adjust based on error. So all of it is beneficial. Well, on that great point, we're going to take another quick break and hear from our sponsors. At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364-9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, Proprietary Limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero 1. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hi, we're back. And I just want to expand and emphasize on the last point you made, Gwen, which was that if you're not delegating to your team effectively, you're really showing them that you don't trust them, which I think is very important. They, you've got to, do you want to expand on that real briefly? Oh, no, it's just all about enabling independence, independence of thought, independence uh, of, of skill learning, uh, specifically with, with parents and their children. I'm really big on this. Mm. And, you know, we are there to guide our children, to give them the tools and the materials that they need and the guide. But really, at the end of the day, we've got to allow them and empower them to live their best lives. Mm. And we're not always going to be there. Mm. And it's the same with our teams mm. that, you know, should we not be in the office on a particular day or we're not always around, they need to know that they are able to carry out the job without us. Mm. And so if we can give them the ability to do that by enabling them and allowing them to do it without us, you know, standing over their shoulders all the time and, you know, giving them the impression that we don't trust what they're doing. Mm. That reminds me, uh, you talked about being a parent. That reminds me of something I heard Neil deGrasse Tyson say, the famous physicist, cosmologist. He talked about when he had children, he decided to not make it easy on himself and take on some things that would make it more difficult for him as a parent. For example, he taught, he gave the example of if one of his kids saw a puddle and they wanted to jump in it, he was going to let him do it. 
because that's going to teach them about fluid dynamics and all this because he's a scientist that's what he the example he's giving but also it's teaching them hey you know if it's cold and i jump in a puddle i'm going to get wet and i'm not going to like that so he his point is he's got to let even though it's going to be harder for him because he's going to have to change their pants and listen to them say they're wet and all this kind of stuff he wants them to have the experiences to learn and you've got to you've got to let your team go out there to learn and be empowered so again you can reproduce yourself because that's your job as a leader is to is to bring drag your people up to your level and then beyond yeah. that's that's the real and, and mission absolutely and sometimes and, and it may take some coaching and in fact one of the number one skills now in leadership is to be able to coach mm. to help your team through you know, learning what they need to learn. Mm -hmm. But also as a leader, sometimes we don't know what they know. Mm. You know, we are choosing people, as we said earlier on in the show, Matt, we want to choose better people that are better than us mm. at these skills. Mm. Because what we are there to do is actually take care of our team who are responsible ultimately for the results. Mm. And that brings us to another great point, Gwen. You, of course, are a NeuroChange master trainer and performance coach. If anybody here wants to contact you to get uh, a little bit more information, how could they reach you? Uh, the best way to do it, Matt, uh, for anybody listening, is to contact me through my website, which is www.incrementalsteps.biz. And you will see in, in, in my site uh, access to my LinkedIn profile, to a Facebook page. So that's the best way to contact me or through the station. Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll also have a link uh, on our Facebook page here at Radio Italia Uno, as well as on our Facebook page, Change the World with Matt McQuinley. If you missed any part of this show, for a matter of fact, or any of the previous two sessions that we did on leadership or want to review this powerful information on leadership that we went over today, it is a great idea, like Gwen said, to go to our Facebook page, which again is Change the World with Matt McQuinley, spelled M-C-Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y, or please contact us through the radio station. Both uh, Gwen and I are business coaches, consultants, and if there's anything that we can do to help your performance with leadership, with business, and making changes in your personal professional life, we'd love to do so. So that being said, catch you next week on Monday at 6 p.m. Adelaide time for Change the World with Matt McQuinley. And now, as always, I will leave you with a motivational, inspirational message. Hi, I'm Matt McQuinley, and today I want to talk to you about the importance of focus. I want to talk about a lady who was born back in 1918 named Florence May Chadwick. She was a housewife, divorced, with no children, but she did have one hobby that she really enjoyed, and that was long-distance swimming. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions, setting a world record each time. She was the first woman to swim the Catalina Channel, the Straits of Gibraltar, the Bosporus one way, and the Darnay in a round trip. But I want to talk a little bit about her first attempt at swimming the Catalina Channel. The Catalina Channel is in California, and it is bitterly, bitterly cold. It's a 26-mile swim. In kilometers, that's about 42 kilometers, 43 kilometers. Anyway, it's far enough that most people in fact, almost all people would use a boat. 
She decided to swim herself though. So on her first attempt in 1952, she jumped in the water. She was flanked by a team, couple boats, to make sure she wasn't attacked by a shark because they're very common in that area. Remember, she's swimming 26 miles thinking about sharks the whole time. That's another reason, another thing to think about here. But after about 15 hours, a very, very thick fog set in, very thick. About an hour later, she told her mother, who was in one of the boats next to her, that she didn't think she could make it. But she kept swimming for another hour. Eventually, exhausted, she got out. She realized when she was on the boat that she only had a mile left to go. She was absolutely devastated. The problem was she could not see the shore. She could not see an end. She could not visualize her success. And all of us fall into this trap. We can be so close to success, but we lose it. We don't grasp it. Why? Because we can't see it. You see this around you all the time and you've seen it in your own life. She tried again. The second time, the exact same thing happened. A heavy fog rolled in, but you know what she did? She visualized, she said, she visualized in her head the shore and she made it with energy to spare. So what do we learn from this? We learn that belief, the fact if we believe we can achieve, that puts us far ahead. We learn that if we are focused, that puts us way ahead. And there are two kinds of people listening to this message right now. There's the kind of person that doesn't believe they can succeed. That's a wandering generality who isn't focused, who can't see the other shore. And then there's the kind of person that visualizes the other shore and will reach it no matter how far away it is. The question is, which one are you?